Hi everyone and welcome to Siesta Sundays with Sasha, a place where everything Christian is discussed. So if you had a question and you thought, well, I think I'm the only one who's feeling this, or you were too embarrassed to ask something out loud, this is the place to be. Every week we will be answering one very complex or very simple question. What does the Bible say about, well, you can fill in the gap. <laughs> Join me every Sunday and we will break these questions down together and hopefully leave with some sort of answer. I and sometimes my guests are here to say same go same with regards to anything that you think you were the only one experiencing it. Grab your earphones, a cup of coffee or tea, whatever you're drinking today, and let's go on this journey together. So I find it really hard that there's anything that we're experiencing or anything that's happening that hasn't taken place in the Bible in one way or the other. You know, the saying, there's nothing new under the sun. I, I honestly don't believe there's anything new <laughs> under the sun. And so how our episode is going to work is I'm going to bring something up, right? A topic or subject. Um, we're going to talk about it, ask questions about it, etc. And then bring the Bible into the picture. And then we're going to try and break down what the Bible means when it talks about or addresses some of these issues. Right? So that you know everyone feels comfortable. And so when you make your decisions, you make them from a perspective of, you know, you know what the Bible says about it. I mean that's kind of what we're here to do, right? Live our lives, be happy, get excited, do awesome things, but still make God happy, right? And then at the end of the episode, we're then going to not necessarily come to a conclusion because I'm not a preacher, but like I'm just going to hope that each of us has been enriched in one way or the other. And after that, I'm going to give you a little Bible verse that maybe is special to me. Well, special to more than just just me, obviously, because Bible's for everyone, but one that I feel like giving to you, and then I'm going to give you a song to listen to, because I love gospel music, and that will be the end. So, when we get started? So, a quick rundown of what we're going to look at. First, we're going to define gluttony, and then give examples of what gluttony looks like. Then we're going to ask, what does the Bible say about gluttony? Who was a glutton in the Bible? Then we're going to look at types of gluttony. How can one be a glutton and how to avoid gluttony? Then we're going to go to the other side, which is the opposite. We're going to talk about abstinence and how to abstain, when the Bible did it, how do we practice it, and what makes it so hard. Obviously, I'm going to give you a Bible verse and a song at the end. And yes, that's what we're going to do. So let's start. So, what is gluttony? Gluttony, according to the internet, <laughs> is habitual greed or excess in eating. It is overindulgence and overconsumption of food or drink or wealth items, especially as status symbols. It is also defined as overindulgence and lack of self-restraint in food, drink or wealth items. It is derived from the word to gulp. <laughs> Gluttony is intemperate eating and it worships food to feed our own self-love. That one is the deep one for me. But yes, that's what we have for the definition for gluttony. So positivechoices.com lists the types of gluttony. And this is what we have. We have eating too soon eating too expensively, eating too much, eating too eagerly, 
eating too daintily and eating wildly, right? It says that, uh, for the first one, it says, eating too soon is when you eat more than three meals a day and includes nibbling and snacking throughout the day, right? Eating while preparing meals could also be an example of gluttony. And it means that you seem to can't have an empty mouth. You always want to be chewing on something. And um, the reflection of this is obesity. And then we have eating too expensively. It's when you have a taste for expensive and exo exotic foods that cost a lot of money. And you spend a significant portion of your income on food. So, obviously, there's relative uh, types of, well, relative ways of spending your money on food. But I'm guessing this is like an excessive way of doing it. Like, you just spend too much money on the things that you put in your mouth. Then you have eating too much, which is, you know, just common. You just eat too damn much. And then eating too eagerly. You spend a lot of your brain power thinking about food food is always in your thought you fantasize about it you think about flavors and textures and colors of food all the time and when you sit down to a meal you take all of it in and you wallow in the smells and the sights of sound and sounds of food and you basically then as a result eat too much and like i said there are different levels to this i'm talking about the extreme level of this and eating too daintily is um, when you are excessively concerned about the trivial aspects of food. You only eat organic food and food that's not GMO and food that's not irritated. And you only eat raw food and like only locally grown food. And the distinctions in food is like really, really alter what you want to eat. And you really, really focus on the nutritional quality of food. And this is a form of gluttony to fuss over scientifically insignificant differences in food because food is for nourishment. And when you start to obsess about it, you're starting to borderline worship it. And like I said, I'm talking about the extreme kinds of dainty eating and not you just trying to be a healthy person. Then the last one is eating wildly. You eat so fast. <laughs> you stuff your face as fast as you can. You finish your meal in like five minutes. Then you take large helpings of seconds and thirds. And people just look at you like, is everything okay? And it's like that every single time. That's a form of gluttony. Because you cannot rest <laughs> when it comes to putting things in your mouth. You just enjoy it to the point of excessively participating in it. So now... I'm going to give the Bible verse first, but, you know, this is not the official, what does the Bible say about it? Luke 4 verse 4 says, But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. And so you should put God first in your life and not food. Like, you can't just eat, 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 eat. Right? Even Jesus was tempted with the sin, and he was like, ha -ha. There's a time for everything, and right now the time is for God. And I guess that's what, you know, you're supposed to do to avoid gluttony, to understand the fact that food is not everything. It might be the source of your energy and where you get the strength to do stuff, but it definitely is not the be-all and end-all of everything. 
Christianity.com looks at gluttony in the Bible and it gives us four verses that refer to gluttony in the Bible. First one is Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. Gluttony plunged the whole human race into a state of sin and misery with the first transgression. Ezekiel chapter 16 verse 49 says, Gluttony or excess of food led to a curse of utter destruction upon Sodom, the standard example of God's wrath and judgment. Numbers 11 verse 18 to 34 and Psalm 78 verse 26 to 31 read together go. In Moses' day, when Israel craved meat in the wilderness, the Lord sent quail. While the meat was yet between their teeth, before it was consumed, the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people, and the Lord struck down the people with a very great plague. And the name of the place was Kibroth Hatava, which means graves of craving. This is self-explanatory. Eve committed the original sin because she just couldn't have enough. She had the whole Garden of Eden at her disposal, but she was like, I want that one. I just want more. Um, same with the people of Israel. And so the Bible really just tries to teach us that you need to do whatever it is that you do with control. You have to do it with moderation. You have to do it which is zero with tomorrow is coming. And also remembering that someone out there doesn't have what you have. There's no reason why you need to have three servings of food. You're not you're not here on this planet to eat. My mom always used to say, you don't eat, you don't live to eat, you eat to live. Food is nourishment, not pleasure. <laughs> you know, like you can enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Great, make it taste good, right? Make it look good, garnish it, etc. But when everything that you think about is food, guys, it's is safe, <laughs> you know. And then the Bible continues to talk about the consequences of gluttony. It says, gluttony is often connected with idolatry, right? <laughs> this is according to Philippians chapter 3, verse 19, and 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 7. And gluttony leads to deadness of heart. And this is according to Psalm 115, verse 48, and Psalm 119, verse 17. Gluttony and hopelessness go hand in hand. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 32 talks about this. Devotion to food for Christian gives birth to legalism and judgmentalism in Christians. Did you hear that, guys? And Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21 says, well, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 21, and Titus chapter 1, verse 12 together say, well, they talk about how gluttony induces laziness that brings forth poverty. Then Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 20 talks about how gluttony is a visible expression of rebellion against God and man that destroys life. And the last one says, drunkards, liquid-based gluttons, will not inherit the kingdom of God. This is the first Corinthians verse 6, chapter 10. Church leaders in the Middle Ages developed a more extensive view of gluttony. And St. Thomas Aquinas did so in his work, which was called Summa Theologica. And he emphasized five ways to commit gluttony. Eating food that is too luxurious, exotic, or costly, which is called lot or lauter. 
I know how to pronounce it. It's L-A-U-T-E. And then eating food that is excessive in quality, too daintily or elaborately prepared. But it's called studiosa, S-T-U-D-I-O-S-E. And then eating food that is excessive in quantity. This is called nimus. And then you've got eating hastily or too soon or at an inappropriate time. This is called pripropere. I don't know how to say it. P-R-A-E-P-R-O-P-E-R-E. Then the last one is eating greedily or too eagerly called ardente. Um, it's, it's spelled A-R-D-E-N-T-E-R. And he talks about how gluttony denotes inordinate concupiscence <laughs> in eating. And the first two ways the ones that I talked about, Lauter's Studios and Nimus, relate to food itself. And the last two relate to the manner of eating. Right? And he talks about how abstinence from food and drink can overcome the sin of gluttony. And the act of abstinence, which is fasting, then overcomes it as well. So the reason why gluttony is used and not obesity or addiction is because Obesity and addiction aren't always as a result of overeating. So being overweight does not mean you're a glutton, right? We all know this. We are all enlightened in this department, right? What gluttony refers to is when you do too much of something to the point where you're almost worshipping food or drink or alcohol or drugs or these narcotics and stuff. So it's not when you can't help it. It's when you decide not, you, you let yourself go. <laughs> you can't help but just want to eat. You All you do is think food. You want to see food. You dream food. And this applies to everything else, alcohol, etc., etc. You can't even think straight. Because everything that you want to do is just about food. All right? And <sighs> we're getting on to how to overcome it. The Bible doesn't give us problems without solutions. And it's very interesting how there are a lot of Bible verses that refer to God as food or uses taste analogies when they're talking about God. It's it's really amazing. Let me give it to you. So Psalm 34 verse 8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. First Peter chapter 2 verse 2 says, Desire the sincere spiritual milk of the Lord, of the word. I am the bread of life. Come to me and you will not hunger. That's John 6, 35. Isaiah 55 verse 1 to 2 says, Come everyone who thirsts. Come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which the Lord is not bread? And your labor, that which does not satisfy. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good. And delight yourselves in rich food. So what are we saying here? If you give yourself to be satisfied with the spiritual bread, wine, and milk, then physical hunger isn't really something that you'll be focusing on. Right? Because it'll lose its supreme power. Because you know exactly what you're supposed to thirst for. You know what you're supposed to be looking for. You know where your nourishment lies. Gluttony is usually born from boredom. Because life isn't satisfying enough or stimulating enough. Your relationships aren't fulfilling and the work that you do is boring. And then food is there and it just tastes so boring. 
right? And so what you need to do is you need to change what satisfies that appetite of filling the void that is in your life. So you look for great and good things, right? Read books, take walks, pray, meditate, talk to people, spend time in nature, go to work. The things that the Bible, things that the Bible encourages, right? You fulfill or you satisfy these appetites with good things, right? Things that food can never satisfy. And then you pray and cultivate and nurture those satisfactions to the point where food just becomes that regular thing that you just need to do and not something that you have to do. So as I was saying, food isn't necessarily the only thing that has to do with gluttony. It's just that food was a big part of like history back then. A lot of things were associated with food. People would celebrate with feasts, right? But Today, there are other things that you can overindulge in that's not food, right? And like I said, I'm not talking about people who find themselves in a situation that they cannot control because of their tolerance levels or their body types, whatever. I'm talking about people with different body types who practice gluttony, meaning your body isn't really changed by the fact that you eat so much but it is the heart that has been changed. The fact that all you think about is, well, I really need that joint. Oh my God, I really need a shot of whiskey. Or, wow, the things I would do right now for zinger wings. <laughs> right? Smack in the middle of the day. And I'm not talking about cravings, guys. I hope you understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about excessively participating in the practice of eating or smoking or sniffing or drinking, or partying, whatever it is that you do so much of, you can't help but do it. You would rather leave everything else, the things that your life, that fulfill your life, you would rather leave them and spend your time thinking about these things or doing these things, right? So gluttony can manifest in other areas of life. That's what I'm trying to say, right? And it's associated with the sin of losing control and letting your flesh tell you what is contrary to the war, to the word. Paul wrote that, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. He talks about how he brings himself, like he collects himself. And teaches himself how to practice self-control because that's exactly what he's trying to teach other people. And so, like, he wouldn't be able to do it if he didn't practice it himself. When your body is in control, you just want to take, 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 take. There's no logic in it. You just do, 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 do. But when the Holy Spirit is in charge, you make decisions that are very intentional. And you think about it and you're like, but I'm actually full, guys. Like, there's no reason. Or, oh, I really don't need to drink, you know? Or, oh, I really, really don't even need to be going after what I'm going after. I'm okay, right? And material things or things of the flesh are in control when you are a glutton. When you are always thinking about all of these things that you need to do, no, that you want to do, that you don't really need to do, you're a glutton, Right? And you're letting your flesh control you. Because you can tell 
yourself, I don't want this. I just think I do, but I don't, right? And so think of the verb glut, right? Glutting is when you feel something to excess, right? And so you don't need to anymore. You just continue. And that's literally what you do when you're a glutton, right? You no longer need what you're consuming. You're just doing it just because it's there, right? And Philippians chapter 3 verse 19 says, Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and their glory and their shame with minds set on earthly things, right? So there's a distinction between bad habits and the sin of gluttony, right? In the life of a glutton, your desire is your God, right? For other people, it can even substitute for relationship, self-worth, and the worship of God. And then, it's really like problematic because there's a very thin line, but it's a line nonetheless. It exists, and you need to stay on the good side of it because there's a difference between enjoying the things that God puts you on this planet to enjoy and just overdoing it, right? It's like those people who leave the club at 7 in the morning or at 5 in the morning. What are you even still doing there? I'm near dead, you know? Like, God said, enjoy yourself. He gave us all of these things to say, enjoy, 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 enjoy. But why in the world are you overdoing it? Like, do you even still need to be doing it? Do you still need that third plate of food? <laughs> you know, do you need to drink four bottles of Ciroc in a night or Ace of Spades or whatever? Do you need to be smoking that much weed? Do you really need to do it? Like, I know, like, to each their own, your own indulgences. But how are you indulging? Is it moderately or are you just overdoing it? Do you treat your body as the temple that it is? First Corinthians chapter 6 verse 19 to 20 said, Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not of your own, for you are brought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Do things that glorify God through your body. Ask yourself, in what I'm doing right now, am I glorifying God or lose the plot? You know, if you treat your body as a vessel for indulgence and material enjoyment, right, this is to your own detriment because then you don't give God the attention that he deserves. You don't give him the credit that he deserves, right? Because you ignore all spiritual parts of life. You just think about, what am I going to eat? How am I going to eat it? When am I going to eat it? How much is it going to cost? Ah, I'm going to take pictures and show everyone every day. Three times a day. Seven times a day. Jungle is some kind of chikaf. Or all you're doing is just drinking, drinking, drinking. You know? Or you're just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Because I have decided to define gluttony as any form of addiction that you brought on yourself. That's me looking at it. So if you're addicted to TikTok, you're a glutton. Because the time that you're spending there, you could be spending with the Lord. Same with eating. Same with um, drinking. The amount of time that you spend drunk. Are you going to pray when you're drunk? Are you going to meditate when you're drunk? Are you in the right state of mind when you're high? Or when you're so intoxicated by heroin and whatever kinds of drugs there are these days, right? 
Is there space for God? Is there even space for him? Right. So Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, And do not get drunk with wine, for this is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Why you need it won't buy beta, guys? You can drink it. But what are you how much are you going to drink? What are you doing when you drink it? That's another problem. First Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11 is. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed, or is an adulterer, sorry, an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Stay away from people like that. Because they're going to justify what they do and you could just fall into the trap. Not everyone is strong all the time, you know. And you want to put yourself in positions where you want to challenge your faith. God is the only one who can challenge your faith. You shouldn't spend time with people who are guilty of these. Don't even eat with them. Because when you put yourself in that position, you risk joining them. Bad company corrupts good character. Bible says that. Proverbs chapter 25 verse 27 says, It is not good to eat much honey, nor is it glorious to seek one's own glory. That's another form of gluttony. Just do it bit by bit, not too much. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling or jealousy. This is Romans 13 verse 13. The Bible is encouraging us to do these things properly. First Peter chapter 4, verse 3 to 5 says, For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery, and they malign you. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. Meaning, now you're going to have to explain. But it's over here, seven hours. Wagarara. Because I was not seeing that. Because I'm going to tequila. You could have been praying. And it's not even about who saw it. It's not about who was there with you. It's about you and God. Your relationship with God. How are you cultivating is what you are doing glorifying God? Is what you are putting in your body to the glory of God? Is it something that you can proudly say, this is for God? I saw this TikTok the other day that, um, I think it was yesterday, where this man was like, you know, you know when you lip sync and you, you know, we all do it, right? And he lip syncs the words, I can be drunk on Saturday, but I'll still go to church on Sunday to praise the Lord. And there's this man who was livid. After hearing those words, he was not happy. He was not satisfied at all. He was not impressed. Because he was like, huh? You want to be drunk on Saturday and go to church on Sunday? And you know, he wasn't even as mad about the lyrics themselves as much as he was mad about the fact that these are lyrics that people have been exposed to. So not only are you lost, but you are leading other people to be lost with you. Not only are you practicing your nonsense, but you're stringing other people along into your nonsense and glorifying just not a bass. Because drunkenness is not something that the Lord looks down on at this point. It's not. God hates it. And he hates people who practice it. He absolutely hates it. Right? And so, like, what are we doing 
to change and move away from and the thing is we're living in a world where people will talk about how no yolo this bus is the phrase <laughs> you know let's get drunk guys let's get high you know let's get wasted you know we're living in the world of i want to spoil myself i want to treat myself here soft life soft life soft life from what i know from the bible soft life isn't necessarily something that the bible really promotes the bible did say so it's easier for a camel to enter through the eye of a needle than it's for a rich man to go into heaven because just soft life is not to divert attention from what's important from the fruit of the spirit from charity from treating people well what time do you have to treat people well when you're busy chasing paper? I'm just saying, guys. I'm just saying. I, we we can't be preaching our oh, body positivity or be the Like, you just keep stuffing your face. And then you stand and you say, I look like this because it's my jeans. Yes, because, because I want to eat. Yeah. And then you get some number. Where you? What? What? <laughs> like, it's, guys. This Christianity thing that we take for granted is deeper than we think. And as Christians, I said as Christians because I'm part of the Christians, we need to find a way to draw these lines and accept the fact that some of the things that we think are right, some of the things that we accept, some of the things that we let slide in the name of integration, 21st century acceptance, what, 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 what. They are sinful. And then he punishes us in ways that we can't even imagine. And then we start coming up with scientific explanations for things after saying that science can't explain religion. Because the people were punished in very, very interesting ways in the Old Testament. And we're not even taking focus of some of the punishments that we are suffering right now. Because of the weird things that we participate in and then we put names on so that they can be in the dictionary and they can justify. We start bringing science into it and saying, no, this is the explanation. So I know there's a question. Someone here in the seven listeners that I have on this podcast is saying, someone guys it wrong to treat yourself. No, far from it. Eat, right? Enjoy. Enjoy these nice recipes, guys. God gives us wisdom. He gives these chefs wisdoms to write these recipe books for us to use, right? It's okay. But how are you doing it is the question. How are you doing it? It's not that people are saying eat bread and porridge and deny yourself of pleasure. No. No, that's not the mentality that the word of God is saying that you must have, right? The word of God is encouraging you to have temperance self-control this is a fruit of the spirit self-control where you can say i've had this it's enough for now to run next time whether it's having fun but it's just you saying i've had enough it's time for me to do other things you know even meditation naturally it was what i say you know because what gluttony teaches you is that you should know yourself you know I'm a lightweight. Anything that I do after three beers is not of my control. And that's what gluttony is all about. You you just can't help yourself anymore. And like I wanted to talk about that. Like another reason why it's a sin is because a lot of us don't know how to control ourselves once we get to that point. And so God is like, why even get to that point? Stay within bounds. You know, sometimes it's good to live within a box. Jekta live outside the boxes just no but all the time. 
when you get drunk, people talk about how, you know, the words of a drunk man reflect the thoughts of a sober mind. Guys, the Bible says you should watch what you say. If you didn't know, some of these things that people keep in their minds, they keep them because they're watching what they say. They keep them because they're trying to protect the hearts of other people. Not everything that you form in your brain needs to be out in the atmosphere. So why are you putting yourself in a position to hurt relationships, emotions, self-esteem? Neuragwe, ah, joy. I don't get it. It's unnecessary, you know? Some people get abusive when they're drunk. Why? Some people get very, very aggressive. Some people get very emotional. And these these are the things that the Bible just tells you, please avoid. Just live a life eating no more. Why? People, we've got so much that we are ignoring, so much that we're taking for granted, and so much that we're leaving out. In the name of we need to make room for everything. Guys, the Bible is not outdated. When it says this and this and this and this and this and this, these are people who act. I said there's nothing new under the sun. People who compiled the Bible experience these things that we are experiencing today. Just under different names and maybe in different circumstances, but it's the same things. So the Bible says don't do this. It's not because these 2,000-year-old men and women didn't know what they were saying. It's all from God, the same God, the living God that we still serve today. So if this living God put these words in these people back then and they're irrelevant, then God is irrelevant too. Because you can't pick and choose. You just have to do it all. So like, yes, you can enjoy yourself. The Bible says, behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment and all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him. For this is his lot. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 18. God made good things like tasty food and laughter, etc. But do it in moderation. Have gratitude for these gifts that God has given you. And the Bible gives you the boundaries of how to live appropriately. Take advantage. We have a manual, guys, to life. Talk about how this life stuff is hard. The Bible is there for you to know this is how I'm supposed to do it. This is how far I'm supposed to take it. Do it. So, like, you can treat yourself from here and there, you know, have a good time, etc. As long as it's not harming you and others and your testimony and your faith in God. Gluttony is the sin of overdoing, indulgence, overconsumption. It leads to self-destruction, your own destruction. God wants to be the first thing in your life, the first person you talk to in the morning and the last person you talk to at night, right? And the flesh should never be the thing that takes God's place. Meaning satisfying the flesh should never be the thing that takes God's place, right? You are made for more than just physical appetite, for you to just, you know, satisfy that craving for that chocolate, because you were here to build relationships, make people feel good about themselves, for charity, to advance the word of God in one way or another through the gifts that you were given. You need to set your mind on things that are above, not things that are on earth. Colossians chapter 3 verse 2 says that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. This is Romans 
8 verse 9a. You need to work hard to put God first. Otherwise, you're just worshipping the things of the world in the name of enjoyment. You need to keep your desires of the flesh at bay. And remember that you are put here for a purpose. And gluttony really doesn't, it doesn't help you fulfill that purpose. Okay, let me stop ranting now. <laughs> I want to talk about how to eliminate the sin of gluttony. So I found this on this website called manhoodjourney.org. I know I'm not really a father or a dad, whatever, which is what, you know, the page talks about how you can eliminate the sin of gluttony as a dad. That's so cute. Like, you know, there's, there's a platform for people to do this. But anyway, anyway, let me not get derailed. <laughs> um, it says that you need to practice self-control. And I love how this is the first one. Self-control is one of the fruit of the spirit. It's in the Bible. The seven deadly sins were compiled by a person based on the things that they'd seen in the Bible. Self-control is in the Bible. Spoken to us, God through Paul in Galatians. Self-control. You need to see the difference in your hunger and thirst and just do one thing. Right? If you have a healthy meal prepared, have portion control. I know it looks good and it's going to taste amazing, but do you really need to have that much? There are people out there who don't have any. And here you are having six servings simply because you can. Then where's the charity in the situation? After self-control, you need to understand that everything is about God. Put God first. God should be in every single step that you take. God, I'm into bath. Protect me. God, I'm taking a walk. Be with me. God, I'm writing this test. Guide me. God, I'm into sleep. Be with me. It's about God and his work in your life, not alcohol and its work in your life. Be grateful because a lot of people who are gluttons do not have gratitude because you can't have enough. Like Eve, she couldn't have enough. She just couldn't get enough. She wanted more. She wasn't grateful for what was already in her face. Take comfort in knowing that Christ died for gluttony too. We talk about other sins because we think that they're more important. Gluttony is also a sin. Christ died to give you the freedom from your appetite. Free yourself from the spirit of gluttony. Run away from it. Flee. Run fast. <laughs> because even the food we eat comes from God. So why are you forgetting him? Why are you forgetting him? Run towards him and ask him for guidance if you don't know how to do it. He's the only one who knows. He put us on this earth. He knows what he's doing. We don't. Still on manhoodjourney.org, there are three Bible verses that are given for eliminating gluttony. They are Proverbs 23, verse 1 to 3. When you sit down to dine with a ruler, consider carefully what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you have a big appetite. Don't desire his choice food, for that food is deceptive. Luke 12, verse 22 to 23 says, then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat, or about the body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. And the last one is, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to humanity. God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape so that you're able to bear it. I don't know if I need to explain any of this. It's pretty clear cut for me. What does gluttony entail? Not savoring a reasonable amount of food. Eating outside a prescribed time. Anticipating eating with preoccupied longing. Consuming costly foods. Eating lavishly, um, etc. 
not being content with common foods like seeking delicacies or perhaps supersizing and paying too much attention to food including paying too much attention to how we look which becomes idolatry to some extent right so we talked about the six types of or ways that you can be a glutton now i want to talk about how you can just stop this is from healthline.com by the way it talks about food but i'm gonna tell the intelligent people that are listening to this to not think about it as food think about the alcohol think about the addiction that you have or the drugs and the um, you know the different other things your tiktok your social media um the bad habits that you know you have as an individual right these are the ways that you can avoid being a glutton so that you can make space and time for god right so first get rid of distractions the second one is know your trigger foods or your trigger whatever right if you avoid it you can decrease your chances of overeating for example if ice cream ice cream triggers a binge then don't have it or don't store it you know because when it's harder to access it's going to be more difficult for you to go after it in fact gluttony isn't about completely stopping abstinence isn't about completely stopping it's about doing it when the time is right you know it's it's about when it is essential and when it is necessary but like i said you know even with your trigger foods i didn't say stop eating ice cream i said don't then put yourself in a position where you know you're going to binge like don't keep five liters of ice cream in your fridge have it moderately so you learn self-control then give volumetrics a try volumetrics is a way to eat that focuses on filling up on low calories and high fiber foods and non-starchy vegetables and so when you do that you are being full you're satisfying your hunger right but you aren't um, exposing yourself to the possibility of gluttony right avoid eating from containers when you do that you keep going Right, so like chips out of a bag, ice cream out of a carton, takeout straight from the box. It means you're gonna eat more than you need to. Instead, serve your food, right? So you can see it, and then you can measure. Like, okay, this is what a normal portion, like with regards to your dietary needs, etc., is. Then reduce stress. Stress usually leads to compulsion, right? And when you're compulsive, you don't really have control over what you're doing so when you reduce your stress levels and find ways to stop um, overthinking situations then you won't find yourself in a situation where you need to drink smoke sniff swallow you know all of that then eat fiber rich foods this is specific for food but if you eat foods that are rich in fiber they fill you up really quickly you're satisfied for a longer time and so you you reduce the urge to overeat so you eat beans or oats or vegetables or fruit for example and when you snack you snack on nuts or beans or whatever meaning that the amount of food that you consume is very little because it will fill you up then you eat regular meals meaning you won't feel the need to snack all the time because you're spending a lot of time satiated Keep a food journal that's kind of like self-explanatory when you do go on a binge or when you eat moderately, you, you know, keep track of it so that you find yourself in a position where you can say, okay, what's the pattern? What was I, what was I feeling during that day? Why did I eat that much? Why did I smoke? Why did I drink? 
what had happened was very, very happy or very, very sad. Then you dine with like-minded friends. Don't then say that you want to stop drinking, stop eating too much. And then you go and you chill with people who put you in that position. Who say, ah, don't overthink it. Or ah, you're being crazy or you're, over, you're, you're overdoing it or you're exaggerating, you know. Uh, fill up on protein. It's very basic. Stabilize your blood sugar levels. It's very basic as well. Slow down. If you eat too quickly, you can overeat. And then that leads to weight gain. If you drink too quickly, obviously we know what that does. You know, do it at a slow pace and see how you're feeling. See how it's going. And then you realize, oh, okay, so I had put like three spoons of rice. But like, this looks like two and I'm four. Because if you just keep eating, you're going to realize you're four way later. Right. So, like, what's that that song? Wait to go. Um, yeah, like, so down, man. So down. Where you going? Watch your alcohol intake. Right? So, yeah. Alcohol intake can also lead to overeating and vice versa. Or you just drink too much. Why are you drinking too much? Like, cut back and see what happens. And then substitute your alcohol intake with meditation or conversations so whatever it is that you're trying to find in alcohol you fill that gap in that space with things that are wholesome and fulfilling plan ahead when you're unprepared when you're gonna hunger strike the day that you eat you will eat everything right so be cognizant take care of yourself right the more prepared you are the more healthy you will be the less likely you are to go on a binge right and do it with healthy things, obviously. Replace sugary beverages with water. I don't even need to explain that. Checking on yourself, right? You need to check on yourself. Are your relationships going well? Are your academics going well? Is work going well, right? Are you happy with the person that you are? Sometimes it's your body crying out for help and you don't even realize it. And you just ignore it and you're like, oh, I really like cookies. I'm going through a phase. And it's really your body saying, sha, like calm down okay and then ditch the diet mentality right it won't help you in the over in the long run if you think that a diet is what's going to teach you to abstain no because if you restrict yourself right it can also lead to rapid um weight loss right and then like you haven't done anything right you need to say okay i can keep this in my life I just need to do it in order. Then if you realize that, okay, like, this is not working, take it out. But don't have a diet mentality, right? Moderate, right? Break old habits. Try to see, do I eat a lot of food when I'm watching TV because I'm not paying attention? Then eat at the table, right? Do I eat a lot of food when I'm binging on a series? Then buy a lot of strawberries, <laughs> right? Um have dinner at a table, have ice cream and like a bowl, whatever, right? Those are the things that kind of regulate the situation. Eat healthy fats. It's very, you know, it's very, very basic stuff. Low carbs, high fat, whatever, whatever. Um, keep your goals in mind, right? So you know where you're trying to go as an individual. Please keep it individual. Don't look at the next person and what they're doing. Don't look at the previous person and what they did. Look at you, your journey, where you're trying to be, your purpose, and your 
experiences and make decisions based on that. And that way you can moderate because you know yourself, you know your goals. Don't try to be ningi. That will never work. It will affect everything and keep the situation just very awkward when things don't work out the way that you think they would have. You know, get help if you need it. People really just need to learn to ask for help. There are people out there who are willing to help, waiting to help. You just need to ask for it. Practice mindful eating, right? Um, it helps you focus on the moment and be aware of your emotions and your senses while you're eating food. How does this food make you feel? What does it make you want to do? It helps you like go in the direction that you really need to be in and avoid situations where you are just going at it for no reason. When you're sad, you feel inclined to eat. Why? When you're happy, you feel inclined to eat. Why? Right? And so the basic thing is everyone is struggling with whatever it is that they're struggling with, right? But if you take time to learn about yourself, you will put yourself in a position of power because then you learn God is the first thing that I need to be thinking about. God is the priority. God is the reason why I exist, right? Then you walk in him and in his word. All of these things become irrelevant. I was on the internet looking up gluttony and this is like really weird thing that I found. So it says that the punishment for gluttony is being force-fed rats, toads, and snakes. I, I really don't know if that's true, but that doesn't sound great. Anyway, it also says that if you commit a deadly sin um, and you don't confess and you don't do penance and so on, it will result in the death of your soul. And you'll be in hell for eternity or your soul will be in hell for eternity. All right. It also says that you can be dismembered alive, which is basically hell. And the point of it being that you're supposed to feel it. But it's not the end for everyone because we all know that repentance is always possible before punishment. And as long as you go before God and say, God, this is what I've done then, you know, you will be right with God and be in a good position, right, with God. So we've already covered ways that someone can be a glutton and how you can avoid being a glutton. And we already know what the Bible says about, about gluttony. And unfortunately, I couldn't find a specific case study of a person who was known to have been a glutton. The Bible just says a lot of things about it and speaks against it. And, yeah, um, the, there is a mention of Sodom and Gomorrah, but somehow I feel like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah really f falls under the deadly sin of lust and not necessarily gluttony because, yeah, those are completely different things. Um... But we all know that it could intersect at some point because gluttony is just overdoing things and lust is a form of overdoing. Um, yeah, that's what we have. And then now I'm going to give you 21 Bible verses about gluttony. I'm not going to give you all 31. I'm sorry. I'm going to put them all down in the caption and I'm just going to give you the five that spoke to me. The first one was Romans chapter 14, verse 13 to 17. It says, Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, 
Make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And what I got from that is that there are things that we can look at and say this is wrong, this is right, etc. But it's all subjective regarding your own personal experiences and things that you have gone through. So you... I could look at drinking and say, yeah, I can just have a glass or two and have fun. Whereas someone can look at it and say a glass or two is the end of it for me. I'm going to become very violent because I'm like extremely lightweight or whatever. And so it is nothing is unclean in itself. So what it is that you do to something is what makes it bad. Because something sitting there is not bad. For example, like the, the phrase money is the root of all evil. That's really not the complete phrase. The complete phrase is the love of money being the root of all evil. Money sitting there is a commodity. or It's something that's used to purchase commodities. You use it to buy things, whatever, right? You use it to go through life, right? But when you do everything for money, you do everything because you want to acquire money, then it becomes bad because you're forgetting what's important which is your relationship with God and relationship with people and how you treat God and other people so that's the same with any other thing with food with drinking with drugs I guess like it's not bad in itself but how you treat it or how you let it take control is what then becomes bad the next one is Psalm 78 verses 26 to 31 it says he let loose the east wind from the heavens and by his power made the south wind blow. He rained meat down on them like dust, birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. But before they turned from what they craved, even while the food was still in their mouths, God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them cutting down the young men of israel i don't even need to explain this this is the punishment for letting your cravings take over you i don't even need to say more second timothy chapter 3 verse 1 to 9 says but mock this there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing to do with such, sorry, have nothing to do with such people. They are the kind who worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and are swayed with swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never be never able to come to knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. 
but they will not get very far because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. And I want to highlight the part that talks about having no self-control because that is exactly what gluttony is, lacking self-control. And if you lack self-control, you are unable to be a person that is right with God because all you do is think about the next time you're going to eat, (laughs) the next time you're going to drink, the next time you're going to smoke, next time you're going to do this and that. And if you let all of those things take the space that God is supposed to take, then you are never going to find yourself in a position that defeats this lack of self-control. You're never going to be able to acquire the fruit of the spirit that is self-control. And the last one is Proverbs chapter 23 verse 21. For drunkards and gluttons become poor and drowsiness clothes them in rags. It just it just reflects that gluttony is not something to be proud of. It's something to work against. It is something to work towards overcoming. Wikipedia, that I'm not proud of using, <laughs> gives the best definition of abstinence that I could offer. It says that abstinence is a self-enforced restraint from indulging in bodily activities that are widely experienced as giving pleasure. It usually talks about sexual pleasure and sexual abstinence and stuff, but it also extends to abstinence from food, drugs, alcohol, etc. And there are four types of abstinence. You have Abstinence from recreational intoxicants, sexual abstinence, abstinence from smoking and alcohol, and abstinence from food. Those are very, very um, self-explanatory. And what this does is it shows us that, well, abstinence is then just the opposite of gluttony. That's the one that I found anyway. That's the other way that you can... Abstinence is a form of neutralizing gluttony. And that if you practice abstinence, there is no way that you can then, um, there's no room for gluttony when there is abstinence. So I listed the different ways that you could avoid being a glutton. And those are the same ways that you experience or reflect abstinence. And so I'm not going to then be redundant and say it again. So the basic thing of the basic point of this discussion is that when you try to avoid gluttony, you practice abstinence and self-control. You understand that there's a line between indulgence and overindulgence. And you draw that line based on your personal experience and not in a general sense, in the general sense of the word. So if you know yourself and you know that this is what's going to then lead you to being a glutton and it's going to take attention away from God, then you take steps to avoid placing yourself in that situation. And you shouldn't compare yourself to A, B, C, and D because you as an individual have individual experiences and individual purposes. And if you know that your tolerance is low or that you know that you're very susceptible to overindulgence, then put yourself in a position where you can abstain. Not in a way that ends up making you resent God or the people that have encouraged you to do it, but in a way that promotes self-growth. So 
unless you decide by yourself you're going to cut yourself from a bad habit let yourself uh, be in that position and learn how to manage the circumstances how what do i mean i just mean that if a can have seven beers and not be drunk and you know that one beer makes you drunk then just know that you're not gonna have a full beer or you're just not gonna drink beer you're gonna drink something else you know because if you then cut yourself off completely then you're going to yearn for it you're gonna want it and then that leads to binges whereas if you learn how to control yourself in that specific situation you have grown as an individual i think i've said everything that i can say on the topic you're free to let me know if i left anything out I'm very very open and willing to contributions i have given you several bible verses i don't know if you need another one and i'm going to put down a list of the other bible verses that i told you i would put down so i'm just gonna leave you with this song instead and i think the song that i'm gonna leave you with is gyra by elevation worship because gyra means you are enough and it puts you in a position to understand that God is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. He is more than enough for you. And so any other thing that comes from the world and is of the world is secondary. It's just there because it's there. But God is the primary goal. Being good with him and being great with him is what we're trying to achieve. Yeah. And then there's another song called make room the name of the artist has left my brain it's a good song as well it just um goes i find space for what i treasure i make time for what i want i make time for my priorities and jesus you're my everything and i guess that sums up the whole situation that we're trying to cover and everything that we were talking about thank you guys for listening i am sorry for the wait i know that it's been two weeks i think that i haven't posted but i am back and i am better And I hope you enjoyed the episode and please share with your friends and I will see you next week.